You may be seated. Thank you, everyone. Again, it's good to have you here. Currently, we're looking at seven different events that took place around watering wells or springs in the book of Genesis. Now, again, these watering wells or springs uh, were gathering places, and we see that God used these gathering places for times of making important decisions and for events. And I believe that the Lord can use these seven uh, events to really, really bring us and to shape our hearts and our lives so that we might glorify God all the more. Now, this morning we come um, to Genesis chapter 21, the last portion of that chapter. And this is when Abraham meets uh, uh, Abimelech at the well, uh, the watering well of Beersheba. And so let me read God's word for us. The narrative is recorded in the book of Genesis chapter 21, starting with verse 22. Hear now the holy word of God. Now it came about at that time that Abimelech and Phocol, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham, saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my offspring or with my posterity. But according to the kindness that I've shown to you, you shall show to me and to the land in which you have sojourned. Abraham said, I swear it. But Abraham complained to Abimelech about the well of water which the servants of Abimelech had seized. And Abimelech says, I don't know who has done this thing, and you did not tell me, nor did I hear it until today. Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. Then Abraham set seven wee lambs of the flock by themselves. Abimelech said to Abraham, What do these seven wee lambs mean which you have set by themselves? He said, You shall take these seven wee lambs by my hand so that it may be a witness to me that I dug this well. Therefore he called the place, that place Beersheba, because there the two of them took an oath. So they made a covenant at Beersheba, and Abimelech and Phorkal, the commander of his army, arose and returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba, and there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham sojourned in the land of the Philistines for many days. That finishes the reading of God's holy and inspired word. Now, by this time, Genesis chapter 21, Abraham is over the age of 100 years old. And what we've seen is that he has lived a nomadic life for 25 years. And I think it's safe to say that 25 years is a long time to live in a tent. Uh, I like uh, camping as much as the next guy, but I have to admit that after two nights in a tent, I'm ready to go home, take a shower, and sleep in my comfortable bed. Now, we see that according to the the Centrist Bureau, the average person, uh, well, a person uh, moves 12 times within their lifetime. But 
Abraham, the Bible shows us that as he was living nomadically within the promised land, during this time he had moved 17 times. He relocated 17 times. But, and so we see that Abraham is much higher than the national average. Uh, by this time, Abraham was ready to settle down, and that place for which he settled down was Beersheba. Beersheba was at the most southern point of the promised land. As a matter of fact, there's a phrase, from Dan to Beersheba, it's a, a distance of about 144 miles, the city of Dan being the most northern city of the promised land, and then Beersheba being the most southern city of the promised land. So this phrase, from Dan to Beersheba, became the usual phrase to use talking about the promised land. Now, you have to remember that the Lord said to Abraham when Lot separated from him, a text that we looked at a, a couple weeks ago, the Lord said to Abraham, Now lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, and all the land which you see I give it to you and to your descendants forever. So the question before us is of all the places that Abraham could settle down, why did he settle down in Beersheba? Now, according to the moving company, Allied Bandlines, the main reasons why people make long-distance moves, people make short-distance moves all the time, but their main, the reasons why people make long-distance moves is because, number one, they want to be closer to family. Number two is because of job or career changes. Number three, I thought this was a unique term, livability. I've always wanted to have livability every place I lived. But anyway, I guess there's some sort of understanding behind that. Uh, the next thing is because of climate or environment. And then also they, they note that a lot of times people just move because they need a fresh start. So the question before us is what made Beersheba that special place for Abraham to settle down? Well, we could say one reason is because Isaac, the promised child, the promised one, had been born and Abraham and Sarah needed a place to raise their son. But I want to submit to you that there's a bigger reason that Beersheba was chosen by Abraham to be the settling place for his life is because Beersheba reminded Abraham of the covenant promises of God. Beersheba reminded Abraham of the oath of promise that God had made particularly to, to him. And I think that that's what this narrative is all about. I mean, we have to face it, right? The Bible could have just said, and Abraham lived in Beersheba, and we would have been happy. That's all we would have needed to know. But instead of that, we have this, this whole narrative around Abraham and Abimelech and, and, and this, this, these oaths and these promises. And what is going on here? We see that it must mean something. Now, we have to admit that this is a really odd portion of Scripture. It's an odd passage especially where we find it on the pages of Scripture. We see right before it 
that the, the Isaac, the promised child, is born. That's a big deal. They've been waiting for this one. And then in the next chapter, immediately, is the narrative where we see that Abraham is told by the Lord to sacrifice his son, Isaac. And he follows the Lord's leading. Of course, the Lord provides a, a lamb uh, instead of sacrificing his son. And usually what happens is when, we, uh, when uh, we read this portion of Scripture, where we read about Isaac's birth, and then we just jump over verses 22 through 31 because it's kind of strange. When I was reading it just a minute ago, you're like, preacher, what are you doing? What is this all about? You know, just jump to the sacrifice of, of Isaac. That's a really cool story. I think it's important for us to settle down and really ask ourselves, what's going on here? I believe Beersheba, God used this, this interaction between Abimelech and, and Abraham because God wanted to mirror in front of Abraham his covenant promises that he had made to him and really challenge Abraham to rest in those covenant promises. And I think I can prove the point through my preaching today. If not, tell me and slip me a 20 on your way out. Don't forget about the 20. That was a, that was a sarcastic joke. The text begins in verse 22. Now it came about at that time that Abimelech and Phokar, the, the commander of his army, spoke to Abraham saying, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me and with, or with my offspring or my posterity, but according to the kindness that I have shown to you, you shall show to me and to the land for which you have sojourned. And Abraham said, I swear it. Now, you have to understand that Abimelech was the king over that entire region, and we're introduced to Abimelech back in chapter 20 of the book of Genesis, where Abraham and Sarah in their nomadic lifestyle eventually journeyed into Abimelech's territory, and they made camp there. Now, Sarah was a beautiful woman, even in her old age, and Abraham feared that Abimelech, the king, would kill him in order to take Sarah, this beautiful woman, as his wife. So Abraham and Sarah lied to the king, telling him that Sarah was actually his sister. Now we see this was the tactic that they had used back in the early days of their nomadic life, uh, when they went down to Egypt, and there's scripture that gives us understanding that they used this tactic a lot throughout their nomadic life. But there's a problem. It's a lie. And in this particular situation, there is a possibility that Abimelech would sleep with Sarah, have a child with her, and basically wreck God's plan of a promised son through Abraham and Sarah. So what does the Lord do? Well, in chapter 20, it tells us that the Lord came to Abimelech and told him the truth. Thanks be to God that the Lord tells us the truth. Amen? Amen? So 
Abimelech, it says he rose early that next morning and he confronted the couple. The Bible says in chapter 20, Abimelech then took sheep and oxen and male and female servants and gave them to Abraham and restored his wife to him. And then Abimelech says, behold, this is to Abraham, behold, my land is before you. Settle wherever you please. And to Sarah, he said, Behold, I have given your brother a thousand pieces of silver. A little bit of sarcasm there. Behold, it is your vindication before all who are with you and before all men you are cleared. So we see that Abraham and Sarah took the king up on this gracious offer to settle in that region. A few years later, a few years go by. Isaac, the the promised child, is born. And a few years after that, one day, lo and behold, the king Abimelech and his commander of his army, Horkal, pays a visit to Abraham. Now, I don't know about you, but for me, I can only imagine the thoughts that were going through Abraham's mind when Abimelech and his commander of his army pulled up in the driveway. Abraham must have thought, this is it, I'm finished. Either Abimelech is going to kill me because he's really mad about the trick I played on him, dealing falsely with him in the past. Or he's just going to drive me out of the land. He's going to take back his gracious offer that I can settle anywhere I want to settle. He's truly offended because I have lied to him. He's tired of me squatting on his land. And he's brought the commander of his army for some muscle if he needs it. And how utterly surprised Abraham must have been when he heard Abimelech say, after he welcomed him into his home, God is with you in all that you do. Now, therefore, swear to me here by God that you will not deal falsely with me or with my offspring or my posterity, but according to the kindness I have shown to you, you shall show to me and to the land in which you have no now sojourned. The king is offering Abraham grace. Abraham didn't earn grace. Abraham doesn't deserve grace. He's a liar. He's a squatter. But here the king comes and says, here you go. I'm going to give you the land for which you sojourn. I believe that Abraham deserved the exact opposite of what Abimelech is giving him. Brothers and sisters, we should always be surprised by God's grace. I believe the Lord is showing Abraham once and again That he is the God of grace. And he does it through this interaction with Abimelech. He's showing Abraham and to us through this narrative that you can't earn it and you certainly don't deserve it. But the Lord freely gives it. The Lord is showing Abraham what Abimelech 
through Abimelech what he will eventually do through the promised child, Jesus Christ. As the scriptures teach us, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, and as a, not as a result of works, so that no man would boast. Our God is a God of grace. Forget none of his benefits. Now notice that in Abimelech's gracious offer to allow Abraham to sojourn in the land, and it's interesting that he, he reminds Abraham that he is still a sojourner, but as he offers this gracious offer to allow Abraham to sojourn in the land, there's this element of peace that Abimelech wants to establish. Notice Abimelech says to Abraham, according to the kindness that I have shown to you, you shall show to me and the land in which you have sojourned. Abimelech is asking Abraham to swear by God that they will dwell together in the land in peace. And Abraham swears it. But Abraham takes this opportunity to inform the king about this conflict and this strife surrounding this well of water that he had dug, but that Abimelech's servants had stolen and seized and now are unjustly appropriated only to themselves. The narrative teaches us that Abimelech says that he never knew anything about this conflict. But notice that even though Abraham is an alien, even though he is a sojourner in the king's land, the king restores Abraham as the rightful owner of the well, the well of water, and establishes peace. This should blow our mind that the king hears about a conflict and strife and intervenes to establish peace. When this happened, Abraham is so overwhelmed that the Bible immediately says that Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech, and the two of them made a covenant. The Lord is showing Abraham through this covenant with Abimelech that he is the God of peace. The Lord is showing Abraham through this covenant the peace that he will eventually establish through the promised one, Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us Jesus is our peace. Jesus establishes peace in the midst of conflict that existed between us and God. The strife that, that existed between us and God, the Lord has sent his king to establish peace. The Apostle Paul says it like this, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that, that Jesus Christ, through the blood of the eternal covenant, broke down the dividing wall of hostility that existed between us and God. It goes on in that same passage in Ephesians says he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near 
For through him, that is Jesus Christ, we have both access to one spirit, to the Father. Jesus established peace. He is the King of kings. He is the Prince of peace. Amen? And Paul goes on in that same passage and he says this, which is remarkable to me. Paul says, so then, since Jesus Christ has established peace, so then, you are no longer strangers or aliens. It's the same exact thing that's happening with Abraham. Because the king established peace. The king says, you're no longer a stranger. You're no longer an alien. I'm going to give you full rightful privileges to this well as if you were a member of the family. Thanks. I think it is too, to be really honest with you. In addition, Abraham gave Abimelech seven lambs to secure the well as his personal property. The text says, then Abraham set seven wee lambs of the flock by themselves. Abimelech said to God, well, what do these seven wee lambs mean which you have set by themselves? And he said, you shall take these seven wee lambs from my hands so that it may be a witness to me I dug this well. Basically, this is my property. As an alien, as a sojourner, because you're the king, this is mine. What's going on here? By offering Abimelech these seven lambs, Abraham secures possession of the well for a century to come. Do you understand what this means? The one who is an alien, having no rights or privileges, is now acknowledged as a full member of the community with all the rights and all the privileges because of the declaration of the king. This sounds like the gospel to me. The Apostle Paul tells us, through Christ you are no longer strangers. Through Christ you are no longer aliens. But you are fellow citizens with the saints. You are God's household. And that's exactly what's happening in this narrative right here before us. The Bible tells us that through God's free grace through Christ, we are received into the community of grace and have all the rights and all the privileges as the children of God. Once we were enemies, are now full citizens. And we see this seven, these seven lambs. Seven is God's number. Because seven is the perfect number. The Lord uses the number seven throughout Scripture to show completeness and perfection. We see it first directly tied into God's creation of all things when he blessed the seventh day and he sanctified it. And we see the number seven being used throughout scripture showing that God is a God of bring, that brings completeness and perfection. And what is interesting is that Abraham gave Abimelech these seven lambs to be a witness to provide an endless security. 
Because Abraham knew the thief only comes to, to, to steal and to kill and destroy. And he wanted a witness based upon, upon God's perfection, upon God's completeness, that this is mine. This is witnessed within, it's is illustrated to us in the text by these servants who came and seized what was Abraham's. Even though he was a soldier, they seized it and they controlled it. And then the king says, no, 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 I'm giving it to him. He is the rightful landowner right now. And Abraham's, listen, bro, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you seven lambs. And this proves that God in his perfection provides security for his people. Abraham's gift of these seven lambs is a foreshadowing of God's perfect redemption through the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. These seven lambs prefigure the completeness and the perfection of God's redemption through Christ. These seven lambs show us the eternal security that we as God's people, as citizens of the kingdom of God, can enjoy for all eternity because of the work of the perfect Lamb. Brothers and sisters, we are redeemed with the precious blood of the Lamb, unblemished and spotless, and I'm talking about the blood of Christ. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. For through thy, your blood you have purchased for God a people, a full citizenship, and eternal security to dwell in heaven forever and ever. Amen. Therefore, the place was called Beersheba because the two of them took an oath. The, the name Beersheba means well of oath or an oath well. Just again, this was an impactful situation for Abraham. And then notice it says, Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba. And there he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. Now, a tamarisk tree is a hardy tree that can tolerate uh, a desert climate. It's a, it's a shade tree that can grow up to 25 feet tall. It's an evergreen. That means that it never loses its greenness or its leaves. And it produces a white or pink flower any time of the year that it wants to. But what's really unique about the tamarisk tree is that during the heat of the day, the tree exerts salt. And then the salt dries during the day, and the salt absorbs the water from the air. So that in the morning, if you sit under the tamarisk tree, this water evaporates and it creates a sort of like natural air conditioning. So just get the imagery here. The Bible says any planted a tamarisk tree, and you look, oh, okay, well, good, great. I'm, I'm glad he did. <laughs> get it, get it. It seems that Abraham wanted to memorialize the everlasting God and, he, and the covenant promise and the oath that God had made to him that he was gracious, that he would establish peace, and provide for Abraham a security that would be for eternity. And so Abraham wanted to memorialize this, so he planted this hardy 
evergreen tree that would survive in any situation or climate. Just like God himself is the everlasting God. And that his grace and his peace and his security is everlasting to the people of God. And this tree was a place where Abraham could go morning after morning over and over again to be refreshed in the cool comfort of God's presence. Verse 31, And Abraham sojourned in the land of the Philistines for many days. Well, that's quite the understatement. As I said before, Abraham would live in Beersheba for the next 75 years until his death. So of all the places that Abraham could settle down, why did he settle down in Beersheba? Because Beersheba and the event that took, took place in the text that we looked at this morning reminded him of God's covenant promises that pointed to the fulfillment of the promised son that was to come, the Lord Jesus Christ. Beersheba reminded Abraham day after day that the Lord is gracious, that the Lord brings peace, and the Lord brings security to the souls of his people. And every time Abraham sat under that tamarisk tree, he was refreshed by God's covenant promises. He was refreshed that God is gracious to undeserving sinners, for which Abraham knew he was. As he sat under that tree being refreshed, he was refreshed by the, the fact that, that God is a God who brings peace in the midst of hostility. He was reminded that God provides security, not only in this life, but in an eternal life to come through Jesus Christ. As he sat under that tree, Abraham knew that no one Nothing would ever snatch him out of the hand of God. And that's what the Lord wants for you today. The Lord wants you to be refreshed by his covenant promises that are fulfilled ultimately in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord wants you to enjoy his grace. The Lord wants to bring you peace. And the Lord wants you to rest in the security that he's given to us in Christ. And some of you here are so full of guilt because you've lied. You need to be reminded that God is a God of grace. And some of you are so captured because of the events of your life that people have come and stolen and taken away what you believe is rightfully yours. You need to understand that our God is a God of peace that has promised to give us a peace that surpasses understanding. You need, some of you need to be reminded of the rest that you can enjoy in the security that you have in God. That God, through Jesus Christ, has given you a, a place to dwell in where you can feel secure 
because of the work of the king on your behalf. And you can look forward into the eternity knowing that you will dwell with the Lord Most High. I guess what I'm saying to you today is I think that we need to plant a tree in our hearts today. We need to plant a tree and say, okay, this is the day that I embrace the God of grace, the God of peace, the God of security. This is where I'm going to dwell for the rest of my life. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, our God, we come to you admitting the fact that we often forget your benefits. We get overwhelmed by our own guilt, overwhelmed by the situations that happen in our lives. We, we Lord, lose sight of the security that you have given to us through Jesus Christ. And Lord, today I want to thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the fulfillment of all these promises. And Lord, I ask you by your Holy Spirit to allow us an opportunity to memorialize this moment and for us to to plant a tree in our hearts saying you are the everlasting God who provides grace, peace, and security for your people to dwell in all the days of our life and throughout all eternity. Lord, plant a tree in our hearts for you are the God of an oath. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.